Greetings, explorers. Welcome to Tea and Tales, the podcast where we drink a lot of tea and we talk about tales pertaining to a specific topic. My name's Sarah. My name's Emily. And I'm Erica. And this episode features mythical races. So before we get into mythical races, let's talk about our tea today. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, in honor of Lord of the Rings, we are drinking some very classic uh, British tea. This one is Irish breakfast tea mm-hmm. um, from Harney and Sons. And it's just your very generic but very good black tea. It thrills me that every time we've done this podcast, I've had this cup with the polka dots on the inside. You're welcome. It has nothing to do with mythical races or black tea. But well, it, it, makes the tea, it makes the tea taste better. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have an extremely orange cup this time, and I have changed every time. And I have a mug handmade by my father-in-law for Christmas. This is Tea and Tales. It has so. a logo. Shout out. And I'm quietly jealous. <laughs> yes. Or not She's quietly. not as quiet as I am. <laughs> it's very cool, though. Right. It has, like, a wooden finish in the It does. It's very nice. Um, so for Mythical Races, we had a, kind of a discussion on what uh, we wanted races versus creatures. creatures. Mm-hmm. And so what do you guys think is the big difference between those? Um... I don't know. I feel like... So, strictly speaking, in like a D&D sense, you would fight a magical creature versus you could play a magical race. So, like an elf. I guess you could say an elf is a creature. But so, I also the ability like to maybe communicate and speaking. intelligence. Mm-hmm. But in D&D, you can also play like a lot of characters. Elves and dwarves, like where there's kind of a lot of them, because a specific creature, like, I don't know... What's the one under there's the water that eats one. boats and stuff? Krakens? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's probably more than one, but there's not a lot. You're not like, yeah. here is a mob of krakens. So wouldn't that be like a monstrosity? Like a monster versus a... Which it could still be yeah. a creature. But you wouldn't have the intelligence factor, and you couldn't play as one. So or like, like communicate with a, a kraken. In, right. in usual In generic, yeah. I mean, so, you could do Kraken talk, but you'd have to have two Krakens. Yeah, there you or go. Or you'd have to have proficiency. I think that the only <laughs> ones that, like, really bridge the gap between both are dragons. Because in some iterations, mm-hmm. they're very much monsters and creatures that, you know, the hero has to slay or whatever. But in other iterations, they're very smart and they talk. Or... And I've even seen it where they can be, like... (laughs) Or I was thinking, like, there are some books where, like, people can morph into dragons Mm -hmm. or things like that, Mm -hmm. and they're... Wouldn't that then make them a shifter, though? Yeah, but so, like, I know for, like, Wizard of Earthsea, like, the dragon can talk, and, like, for Skyrim and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I would think of that more as, like, a race of beings, but not Mm -hmm. all dragons. Not not all dragons. Not all dragons. (laughs) So I think it depends on the creator. Yeah. Yeah. So, did we boil down what the definitive... So, can we do a mythical creatures, a magical creatures episode? Yeah, that'll be separate, yeah. Yeah, I think so, because I feel like I picked mythical creatures. (laughs) Which is fine. It's fine. It's going to be great. We're here now. (laughs) We are going to talk about the big one, which is Lord of the Rings. um, Because you can't talk about races of magical beings without talking about Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. I was horse girl for Lord of the Rings when I was in middle school. (laughs) I was not hugely into to them until the movies were going to come out and I was like well I guess I should read these before that happens Mm -hmm. and then I really really liked them but I had hated The Hobbit Uh which I know is sacrilege to like super Tolkien fans but 
I just am not a Hobbit fan, but I really liked Lord of the Rings. I saw the movies before I read the books, so mm. that's... I have not read any book except oh for gosh. The Hobbit. It's one of those books where the language is a little bit old-timey, so kind of like getting into the flow of the language and being able to like quickly read what you're reading but also understand it, it takes a minute. Like when yeah. you watch a Shakespeare and it takes you like a scene or two and you're like, okay, now I'm in the rhythm of the language and I, I can kind of like yeah. sit like back and, or whatever. and like see the plot and see the characters and what's happening because I'm not f- so focused on like, oh, this is not how we talk. This is not how like modern books are written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think with me, I really like his stories and I love his world building. Obviously, it's been so hugely influential, mm-hmm. but... His writing style has never really grabbed me. Sometimes I feel like, okay, then we went over this hill, and it was green, and then there were trees, and then we went down, and then we went over this hill, and there were more trees on this hill than the last one. And I'm like, ah! (laughs) And then, like, the Battle of Helm's Deep lasts, like, legit two pages in the book. And I'm like, why did you talk about the hills so much when we could have been talking about the Battle of Helm's Deep? He wanted you to understand and appreciate that. He really wanted you to, like, understand what the world looked like, which is helpful, but Mm -hmm. also... I was always, like, really frustrated with that. I do. I did like the movies. It's been a minute since I've watched the movies, but um, definitely, like, a staple growing up. We watched yeah. them. It was I was more looking on my bookshelf today for something that was not Lord of the Rings and saw my two out of three Lord of the Rings books. I don't actually own Lord of the Rings. I have uh, <laughs> The Two Tower and Return of the King from, like, that book She can't set. read Fellowship. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure I can find it all over. Well, yeah. Uh, or <laughs> in a thrift store. <laughs> I'm sure there are many. There's so many enough. versions that have been released. Yeah. I want to try to find... It's, like, the green one that has mm-hmm. Elijah Wood on it. Mm. Good. Oh, yeah, that was mine, too. Uh-huh. I had all three. Because the movies were coming out, and that's when I was like, Listen, oh, I was in it. I was in the mud hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To my eyeballs. So you said you didn't like The Hobbit. Did you not like The Hobbit movies, either? Which they made three of them? I didn't see the third one, because mm. I was just kind of like, meh. We have it on our shelf, because we bought, like, the pack of them, or mm-hmm. someone gave them to us. Mm-hmm. Didn't, they were I fine. The I think yeah. if it had been two movies, it, it would have been, been better. much better. There's or so much one. filler. Or one. Yeah. 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 Was it The Hills? No, I mean, Smaug is pretty awesome. Yeah, the hills. Yeah, it was the hills. Smaug, 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 Smaug. Smaug. It was Bumblebee Cucumber. Yes, Bumblebee Cucumber. Oh, <laughs> he has a really good voice for stuff like that. He like, does. He has perfect to the light. I just, the appearance, I mean, as much as I like Orlando Bloom, Legolas is not in The Hobbit, and there is no need for that. Man, like, they put a lot of stuff in that there was no need for. Mm-hmm. It's enough just to try to... Tell 13 dwarves apart. Like I mean, I guess that they were doing it so you'd have a familiar face in addition to Gandalf, but, mm. I mean... Gandalf's like, good Right. He's fine. He's a great I guy. wish that the Ian McKellen's rendition of Gandalf reminded me of book Dumbledore from that series we're not talking about, whereas... Mm, right. Uh, that one book? The, the movie Dumbledore... Reminded me more of book Gandalf. Yeah. And I thought that they were really, like, weird. They played the other versions of each other. Uh So I was like, ah, this is what Dumbledore... Because he's much funnier in the movies than I think he is in the book. I'm pretty sure that... Gandalf, I mean. He was offered the role of Dumbledore, but turned it down because he said that would... I would have too much power. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty yeah, sure that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. But just in general, like, I wish they had switched their portrayals. But hmm. Ian McKellen was awesome as Gandalf. So. Gandalf is really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But Yo, speaking of like, our magical races, <laughs> we have, I, I kind of narrowed it down to the three big ones. Then there's, of course, more that Tolkien took uh, old mythology, usually Norse mythology and German and then was like, you know what? Let's make this better. And then now that's what we use all the time. So mm-hmm. we have elves, dwarves, and halflings, mm-hmm. which are his hobbits. Hobbit. Um, 
Orcs are his own creation. They're like obviously bad elves. Um, they're yeah, yeah, they've been in the dirt. They've, they've for had a some bit. problems. But so elves started out in Norse mythology as like friendly with nature and animals, and then they were kind of magical, and then. They added in Lord of the Rings, like, immortal and beautiful and sharp senses, like Legolas can always see very far in the distance. And he gave them pointy ears because he said they were leaf-shaped, and so that's where the pointy (laughs) ears started. That's so cute. So, like, what other elves were you thinking of that, like, kind of have sprung out of that? I just know that, like, elves in general, uh, so Lord of the Rings inspired D&D a lot. So there's a bunch of different flavors of elf that you can be, but like those are the characteristics of an elf. They are intelligent. They, you know, they can do magic. They have pointy ears. They are beautiful. A lot of people's first D and D characters elf because they're like, oh, I want to play like Elfling Wind or whatever. Well, Link I also thought, it, yeah, like I hadn't <laughs> really thought about it, but like he started also that they're usually like androgynous, which is mm-hmm. also something that continues with and elves. a little bit like. Haughty, like, yes. oh, yes, very like, uppity. They think they're better than everybody else. And... Just like high elf, <laughs> they literally <laughs> they call definitely do. High elf. Mm, and like every iteration, though, is like that now. Yeah, and I think it's cool how everyone just you hear of an elf and you're like, Yeah, of course. Are the cookie elves like that? Are they haughty? Yeah, they keep the keep. I mean, they make cookies, so yeah, if I make or those, the, the, or the Santa elves, there's only those three, though, <laughs> right? That's it. <laughs> well, then we also have dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, going back again to Norse mythology, they weren't really well identified. They had a lot of different things, but they usually did metalsmithing. Um, but they were kind of mentioned as being somewhat small, but not, like, short, short things. And the, But they did have beards, usually. Mm-hmm. And then Even the ladies. <laughs> not, not yet, not yet. And then Germanic ones were, they added to that with healing and smithing. They were so, small in size, but supernatural strength and could become invisible, which that one got kind of rid of. Mm-hmm. And then... Lived in mountains. Oh, yeah. They, uh, that's not like a... And D&D. I no. wish they were, though. That's cool. Yeah, that's like a cool mountains, one. Yeah. So and stonework. Stonework. And like, the they have an ability They're where they... are very intelligent. Yeah, they yeah. can, like, go and, like, kind of touch a wall or something and, like, have the history of something that happened there. Mm-hmm. It's, like, an ability that they have. And they like to drink. Yeah. Yes. Like I mean, I mean like so drink, that's all stuff that, like, Tolkien added, which yeah. I think is cool, and now is just a, a thing, like, superhuman strength, but small... Mm-hmm. Um, they're also hugely family oriented they're like yeah. yes we're like the, the son of so and so they like clan up I just always like the minds so even if dwarves aren't like in a game or a movie they'll have like dwarven ruins and things mm-hmm. because it's just like an established you know that they are miners and mm-hmm. smithers and like the and dwarven blades this. like that's the best type of blade you can get in a game or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool nice. some halflings Not as much of those before, but they were actually Scottish ones. And the uh, translation from Scottish to basically halfling meant awkward, rustic teenager. (laughs) Which I was like, yeah, that tracks. So for the hobbits, you know, as the alternate word, um, according to Tolkien, they were between two and four feet tall, but the average hobbit height is three foot six inches, which I thought was very specific for him to describe. And usually dress in bright colors. Yeah. Uh, Hobbits are very happy... Um, they eat and drink they a lot. Eat, yeah, they're, they're like, just like people but they're, of the land. Yeah. yeah, they live in the shire. Similar like, size know. to dwarves, but very different. They yeah. Um, I I always when people are making fun of my height, I'm like, are you a hobbit? 
I still get that. <laughs> You're like, they no, they're three point, yeah. what is it, 16? Three, three, three feet, six, six <laughs> inches. I'm at least a foot taller than that. Yeah, so fluff off. That's right. <laughs> at least. At least. I'm at least a foot taller. Do you enjoy <laughs> drinking, though, in fireworks? I do. I have the choice here, okay. you live in a hill. Lots of yummy food, like hearty foods, like eggs and toast and bacon and stuff. I mean, the Hobbit whole houses would be nice because I could reach everything. They have a big old tea. When I have to get stuff done in my kitchen, I use, like, kitchen tongs like or stand on it. chairs. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, use a grabby arm. Yeah, I absolutely do. That's, that's fine. The Hobbits yeah. do that, too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, so, but if I had a Hobbit hole, it would Well, there you go. Yeah. They have a lot of storage because I feel like they go wider instead mm-hmm. of taller. That's true. I thought the design of um, Bilbo's house was so cool. Yeah. If you, like, step into that circle door and, like, Gandalf has to duck down. The doorknob is in the middle of the door, though. (laughs) That is not convenient for anyone. Leverage. That's your one problem with this. No, I love it. I would live in a hobbit. So what is, so I mentioned the main three. Uh, Obviously, there are definitely more in Lord of the Rings. But Mm -hmm. what are your favorite magical races from Lord of the Rings? I mean, oh, I, I like the orcs. I love when the orcs are ripping out when the they're like archive. first being like broad or something. That's like one of my distinct memories from Trolls. Lord of the Rings. When they're like, oh, when they're like, no, that's a different, not Lord of the Rings. Um, ends are cool. Oh, they have a cave trail. Yeah, that is. Right. I was like, so oh, sorry. Troll of the dungeon. Troll of the dungeon. Oh, we're not doing switching. that. I know. <laughs> the call out was so severe. I switched it with Troll of the dungeon. Oh, no. That is my they bad. They have a cave troll from Orcs. No, it's all good. Uh, no, like, but I, do you question my Lord of the Rings? I'm so no, sorry. No, I would not know what you think. My uh, favorite were, I always like the Ents. That's, yeah, that's what I said. They're, they're so, so boring, but great. No. They're, like, they're not boring, but when they speak, you're like, oh, God. But it's It's like when you have reason. to go to your grandparents and they start telling you a story and you're like, this will probably be interesting at some point, but <laughs> getting there is... Well, and I didn't realize, like, when I looked it up, there's so many talking trees throughout the world in myths, and that he was just like, yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And apparently, according to, like, his, like, books that he's put out, or um, that other one that he... The Cimarillion? That's the one. Uh-huh. Um, that they were created to protect the forest and were always sentient, but the elves taught them how to speak. They're so, so cool. cool. Well, trees are cool anyway. Not to be like yeah. trees are cool. I like the one in the in the movie Treebeard. Yeah, really cool. like it's the, so funny because he's like, it takes a really long time to say anything in Entish. Like they're like, <laughs> and, and uh, they're waiting for hours, and they're like, we've just we just said hello. Like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Can you like, imagine oh. if your name was Human Beard? Human Beard. Because like that's what I would be. I would be really upset if my name was Human. Hi, beard. my name's Human Beard. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, so, going on from Lord of the Rings, which we could do a whole podcast on that, but we're not going to. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, come back to I am a person that has always been interested in, but has never done Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And I feel like if we're going to talk about magical races, uh, that's something we should be talking about. So, Sarah and Emily. Yes. Mm-hmm. For a person that only knows very little about Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. including what you have told me and what I've seen on Stranger Things... Why should I play this game? Oh, it's so fun. Oh, goodness. So, D&D first came out in 1970. something. <laughs> um, it was greatly inspired by uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. A lot of the creatures that he kind of, like you said, that they, he kind of embellished or developed or whatever, um, like, became standard for D&D. Um, I don't really have any more history, except there's been the early- many different vis- versions Visions. So what's the version now? Like if I was, so let's exclude that a lot of people are playing it on Zoom. Mm-hmm. If I was 
able to go to someone's house and play it, what would be the version that you Regardless would Regardless if you were playing on Zoom or not, it would still be 5e. It would be 5e. Okay. What does that mean? Fifth edition. Yes. Okay, I got oh, that. But like, like what does that entail? <laughs> I understand yeah, that. So, so it's just they kind of alter the rules a little bit. So, like, first edition was much more, like... Um, Dungeon crawl. Yeah, and much more, like, battle and less role-play. Less, like, less story. Yeah. And, like, you could create a character, like, that was a wizard that would have one health point. You would die. So they changed the rules. So one of the rules for this version is that you get you get a hit die for each creature. So that you play. you're still over my head here. I'm what is sorry. the basic premise of this game? Okay, so you will make there are a two, character. There, there are two uh, people in D and D. One is the dungeon master, which controls the world. Okay. One is the player. At All least right. one. Yeah. Generally. And the dungeon master writes the story. Yes, but they okay. can also use modules or base it off other things. So there yes, D D kind of gives you a world that you can create in and then what you can do in it is kind of limitless. Okay. And then the dungeon master does not play. They and do. They play, they play NPCs. So okay. anyone okay. your character would interact with. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have to come up with voices, they that they make sense. up scenarios. The thing is the players can do anything. Okay. And so you could be like I have a D, like I am a DM. They're gonna get on a train and go to this town and do this thing and help the king. And your players could be like, "No, we're gonna go find this lady in the alley and go and fight a witch in a cave because we want to." Like that's how D and D works. It's nuts. When you play with your friends, though, they kind of are like, "Okay, what?" Like you've clearly planned things. Like, what should we do? But if you're like, "We're gonna just mess with you anyways." So, do you play a campaign all at one time, or are there some that like, "Okay, we're gonna pick up here and leave off." So there's something called a one-shot, which is aimed to be a one-session game that tends to go much, much longer than... They're always like, two hours, and I'm like, so six hours. Mm -hmm. My dog is barking. I apologize. We're safe. Jenny. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, But most campaigns are long. Long. Yeah. yeah. So you do them in multiple sessions. Yeah. Or and arcs. So we have actually, uh, like, shuffling DMs right now. My brother's DMing campaign. Our friend Thomas DMing a campaign. And I am. And so my brother just finished his, like, lot, like an arc, like, mm-hmm. a, like a story like plot a or whatever. And then, like, so Tom's taking over. He's starting his up. And then when he finishes his little first arc, I'll pick up again. And, like, we'll mm-hmm. continue the story. That way, like, lets the DMs breathe. So it's all done, though. There's no board, right, usually? So we use a website called Roll20. Okay. Which is, like, online, like, D&D board. board. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there you can, can be a board. And stuff. Yeah. You okay. can. There's rules. You don't have to. I know some people use, like, notebooks and have everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, like, physical. Do you guys D&D. dress up as your characters? Do you have figurines? For what do people usually do? You can have figurines, you but... You can dress up. <laughs> it depends. Because of everything going on with COVID right now, uh, what you can do is you can create a pog by picking, taking a picture of the internet and, like, okay. making a pog. You can move that around on a map that's on the computer. It's, like, not as, like, personal, I guess, because mm-hmm. you're not face-to-face with the person. So, like, when we were first starting up, I would, like, make gestures to, like, explain something. And I'm like, nobody can see me. This is very sad. But it was still <laughs> really great to, like, have that ability to play. Okay. But... I have a little blurb. My goodness, my dogs are making a lot of noise today. <laughs> sorry, it's all the animals sorry. in the background. Are they a race of magical creatures? I mean, my dogs are magical, so yeah, they their, are. Their, yeah. their abilities are adorableness and love. Now Aww, he's drinking Louis. more. <laughs> so, okay, so just so we can get to our other tales, <laughs> let's sum up briefly, like, what is, like, what you would recommend as, like, a starting point for people that want to get into D&D. Like, how do you do that? 
make a character talk find to a Tom. DM. <laughs> would you find the DM first, though, so you know, like, what kind of character? Because, like, I wouldn't know what character. I know that, like, a bard is a thing. I know mm-hmm. it can be an elf. Mm-hmm. I know, like, you can pick a magical race. But my knowledge is based in, like, Skyrim. I would find a very patient DM to mm-hmm. help you with your... Or a friend. Yeah. And, like, I would... And, like, every DM is different. So, like, if you're going to go and be like, I found a DM, and they're like, okay, cool, make a character. And you're like, oh, I don't know how. They should be able to be like, okay, we're going to sit down and we'll explain it to you. Would you have to buy anything before no, you show no. up? You're just, you can come and that would so be. So, on Roll20, there's, like, character sheets and you just fill them out. You could even, like, write it in a notebook. Yeah. Okay. You could, like, print out a sheet out. and fill it in. Like, you just need to have the information. Because you roll to do certain things and, like, different skill levels that you have add to those things or not. So, you have to have your numbers in front of you. But other than that, like, and do you always play as the same character? Or do you change it up a lot? Is no. It so I know campaign, that your sister you... killed your character not too long ago. Oh, oh. <laughs> I did too, though. Oh so. my god, it's true. Um, yeah, I did. So, I was like, guess I'm dead. I guess I'll work on the podcast. Sarah started texting me and was like, Emily killed my character. And I was well, like, I don't know much about D&D, but I bitch, know that's bad. <laughs> finding, you know, a different character, though. Tom's character brought me back. So That's you true. you can sometimes you can use the same character more than once, or you could switch it up. So if you and like also if you were playing an NPC in someone else's campaign, you could be like, oh, here's a character that I've had before. I'll just pull it up and play it. I so see. NPC, non-player character. I got that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a game reference. I <laughs> <say that> right. <laughs> um, For our listeners, there you go. <laughs> but to, to go back to classes or to races, <laughs> we were talking about races, not um, D&D. the five <laughs> most classic races. I would say for D and D would be humans, elves, dwarves, halflings, and gnomes. Yeah. I think that those Why are... would you play as a human? Mostly because the plus one yeah. so many skills. Yeah. But and there's also, also variants. Yes, you can play a human and then do so many cool things. Mm-hmm. So you can play like a human and then change your class up. I see. Yeah. So the class is like where magic would come in. If you played a wizard. Like a wizard or a bard. Maybe, or a, yeah. Okay. But then like you could play a fighter or a barbarian. But so, mostly you wouldn't. Mostly but, people don't play humans too much. <laughs> I would play Rupert the wizard, who's a human. He's the worst. Um, he's great. I, he's Rupert the, worst. the wizard is great. He's based off Rupert Jones. Wizards are great. Rupert Buffy. is... Wow. Well, her character hates my character. My character why. does hate her. My um, character's a rock gnome. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So some of the weirder races would be a tiefling, which is a demon. Um, an Asmar, which would be like an angel, Tabaxi, which would be like a cat. Like person. these are all like humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, orcs, half orcs, kobold, which is like a mini little dragon boy. They're so <gasps> They're so I want to be a. What is so it? Kobold. 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 Yes, Erica's going to play. <laughs> Make you a character. It could be a dragon bard, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like a little kobold. Well, a dragonborn. You could be dragonborn as one of them. It's Goliaths, changelings, um, which is Are different those shifters? than shifters. No, there's oh, okay. shapeshifters and changelings, which I'm like, that's mm. seems. I'm playing a shifter for the first time ever. When Tom starts his campaign up, I'm really. Uh, and Sarah has played a mermaid and a selkie. It's true. Okay, very nice, very nice. So I know just to finish up D and D though. <laughs> so like. No, sure, I, sure. I, I could, I would like to learn more personally, but if we want to get more to our tales. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this will be here. after we turn off the podcast, I'll be like, what is this that I'm doing? <laughs> right. Um, but so with, I've heard like other games are kind of similar, like World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I know Skyrim takes a lot from D&D and things like that. So have you ever done either of those to kind of compare them? Mm-mm. No. And we tried to play another like World role-playing tabletop, tabletop game. game, which was called Fate, but we didn't like mm. it as much. Magic, like Magic the Gathering was kind of similar. My never goodness, the gods are having We're so popular tonight. <laughs> I know. Um, never played World of Warcraft. Uh, War- 
craft. craft. Uh, but a friend of mine has, but uh, I don't like. I don't know. I knew about magic is. because so a long time ago, and you've probably gone to it. My family owned the Pog stores all in Syracuse. So if you ever bought Pogs when that was like a thing the in the nineties, yeah. Oh. And then we sold a lot of like games and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we also sold magic. Cards. Magic so games. I have oh, so like many of them. Comic book stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still have the old ones, which people aren't playing with as much, but mm-hmm. like they're still in. Like my parents have them. I think. I so, feel like. But I, I knew about the it. cards because uh-huh. we had them as like our side business. Yeah, and, like, I feel like it's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah, it's so. It's kind of like Pokemon. For well, adults. yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's like or Yu-Gi-Oh, like any yeah. kind of card game. Mm-hmm. So let's do our tales. Um, and. I don't care. You're looking at me. Does that I mean go I'm going first? first? Okay. I don't care. Organization. Um, I'll, do, I'll go first. Okay. All right. So I got to f- find my stuff. All right. So the first thing I'm going to talk about with Magical Races is somehow a book that's like the most awarded series in the fantasy world ever, but is also under the radar somehow at the same time. Oh, so yeah. mm-hmm. um, I'm going to talk about the Broken Earth Trilogy, which is uh, a trilogy, obviously, by N.K. Jemisin. And they came out in 2015, 16, and 17, so she wrote them all back-to-back. And uh, all three books won the Hugo Award for Best Novel. And this was the first time that a Black author won the award at all, which is crazy that it took them until 2015 to award Best Novel to a Black person. Also, this is pretty recent. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, but so N.K. Jemisin, she's awesome. She's written all kinds of things. Um, everything I've read of hers is great. She has a new book out this year. But anyways, um, <laughs> she was also the first author ever to win three Hugo Awards in a row for Best Novel and have every book in a trilogy win for that. So a lot of times, like, the first book will win something or the last book, mm-hmm. but never has a series like that won for every single book. For real? In a trilogy? Trilogy. That was the word. Trilogy. We're talking about ends. I feel like... Uh, a lot of the time, the first one's really good. The second one's okay. And the third one's trash. The second... Well, the second one is my least favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. It's still really great. No, I mean, I feel like these ones are good. But, like, in like, yeah. like, like uh, Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The title of the book ever or made you wasn't there was the um the div- div- divergent oh god, god I couldn't even finish I the second read one the third one I did, I read, did the third read the second one, one but I oh read god. the first one and then the second one I was like no nope. it tends to go downhill people yeah. are like we want more story and the others like oh. mm-hmm. I think that the way Jemison managed to avoid this trap was that while they're still very connected and work well within the trilogy they're very distinctly different books so. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one, you have three different perspectives of three different women. Mm-hmm. The second one is, like, a woman and then her daughter's perspective, and they, like, add in another character. And then the third one, like, they've met new people, and you start getting different perspectives and, like, time things and, all, like, not time travel, but just, <laughs> like, like literally just, like, <laughs> like, time jumps or things that have happened. So, anyways... The book, it takes place in, on a world with a single supercontinent called the Stillness. Every few centuries, its inhabitants endure a fifth season of catastrophic climate change. Oi. Oi, yeah. Like, 2020? Yeah. 
These seasons aren't just bad storms. They're massive apocalyptic events that last for generations, reshaping the world and its inhabitants. Those who survive huddle into comms, which are protected communities that try to wait out the destruction, then crawl out to rebuild civilization before the next event. There's also remnants of an advanced civilization that persists throughout the destruction, and those are giant floating crystals called obelisks that none of the people know what they are. Nice. So, Like you do? Yeah, like you do. So um, the world is filled with a lot of different um, ethnicities and species, and one of the big things that Jemison does is not only is she a black author writing fantasy, which hadn't been as common until recently, she makes sure that her cast is very diverse. Mm. So, like, she does have ethnicities based on, like, where they live. So if they're closer to the Arctic, they're paler. <laughs> and, like, her main characters have darker skin. They always talk about, like, their hair being different and, like, associated more with, like, a typical person from, like, the southern parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. Like, they have those characteristics. So... That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And so a lot of the magical beings can be multiple races. They're just like have different things. So the main three are Origines, which are the main characters. They're people with the ability to control energy, particularly the ground directly or temperature indirectly. So you can imagine in a society where the cataclysmic climate change is happening, if you have people that can cause earthquakes by just like their abilities, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. But they also can prevent earthquakes. So they are kind of enslaved almost to like prevent this climate change from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, guardians are altered warriors, assassins that are basically like albino colored that are controlling the origins and they like make sure that they have to. So are they like greater beings? I don't know. <laughs> Guess we'll have to read it. But my favorites, and the only reason I picked this, are the Stone Eaters, which normally appear as realistic statues of humans, and they most often appear to pose. However, they are capable of movement, either very, very slow, kind of like the ends, or instantaneous. So you'll be looking at one, and then all of a sudden it'll be in a different pose. It's like the Weeping Angels. Yes, they're very, they're very similar to the Weeping Angels, from my understanding. Um, so they're also rumored to be immortal, indestructible, and unstoppable, and oh capable of transitioning through stone, either phasing through or fusing through it. And that's how they travel. They can travel all around they the world. Dangerous. They are very dangerous. And so this is cool. taken from one of Jemison's interviews. Is she says when they speak, their voices resound from within the chest. They don't use their mouths for that purpose. However, when their mouths are open, they have teeth of faceted diamond. They do eat stone, but their preferred diet is something that will be explored in other books. So you get to know more about them. But just imagine, like, you have, like, statues that are talking, just, like, emanating this voice. And you're not really sure what side they're on. But then if they open their mouth to, like, they know how creepy they are, Mm -hmm. they'll smile. And they just have, like, pointed diamond teeth that can just, like, chew someone's arm off. Like, they're crazy and creepy and awesome. Are they rare to find? Or they're like yes, mm-hmm. yes. There are not that many of them in the book, and they all have names of like um, types of rock. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. So I can't explain any more of that because a we want to get to other things, but also I don't want to ruin the book. Um, I really recommend it. the first one called the first season. First season, the fifth season. The first book is called the fifth season. You meaning the. The climate change that ruins everything. So um, the second one is called the Obelisk Gate, and I talked about how those exist. Mm -hmm. And the last one's called the Stone Sky. I'll (laughs) tell you why it's called that. Is it because the sky is made of stone? It is not. Deception. So, yeah, I really recommend it. Um, I don't always agree with Hugo Awards, but they definitely nailed it on that. Like, Mm -hmm. it deserved 
being awarded best fantasy novel I mean, or best novel three years in a row. It totally deserved it. Every book in the trilogy is great. So that's, hey. that's cool. So Are that's my long, choice. Long, long books? Um, no, they're fast reads. Are they like, they are definitely not. Oh, they're dear. definitely not young adults. Um, <laughs> there's a, there is a lot of content. Um, <laughs> they, but like I said, she's uh, very diverse. There's a lot of like um, very. Uh, I can't even think of the word. Um, positive LGBT relationships. Nice. There's, uh, like I said, there's many ethnicities that are represented. There's people like the women have a lot of power. They talk about like. Um, inequality with different castes like some people are just like they grow up in a caste and they're not allowed to go to other places so she kind of takes on like the Indian caste system Mm -hmm. and um, like they're fearing these people the origins that are they have like bad names for them like one of them's Raga and it's basically like the n-word for these origins but like so they like there she talks about a lot of like Mm. things in society that she's put into her world in a really like well-written way where you're not thinking like she's preaching to me it's Uh definitely written in like a way that is like healthy and positive and like trying to make you think think. yeah Yeah. it's like these are things that you don't think about yeah there is a lot of there's some violence and there's some lot of sex in there there's just (laughs) all kinds of things in there so it is definitely not YA okay there's language there's literally it's AA adult adult (laughs) it's adult adult Um, (laughs) I would recommend it to anyone that likes even like a passing sense of fantasy books Mm. if you're just like no I hate fantasy you will not like this book Mm. because it's it's she drops you right in and it's just like here we are and you're like what and for the first like first couple chapters you're like what is happening that's the best way to start a book where you're like I'm so confused I will so like if you've never read fantasy like don't start with this one Mm. but I I think if you are a person that enjoys that type of book Mm -hmm. which if you're listening to a magical race podcast you probably are so Mm -hmm. Then you should read it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like 15, then don't yet. Or don't talk to your or, or 13. Well, you can read it if you're 15. 13. 13. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring it down a little bit. Yeah. You can learn some things. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's Good move time. on. I'll and Dan tells one. You have complaints. Um, so I chose Elves um, from the TV show Hilda from Netflix. I don't know if you've ever, I would imagine you've never watched it. No. Um, it's also a graphic novel. I will get there. Sorry. Yes. I think I thought it was like the aunt from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I was like, what is this? And then no, I kept going this. Not quite. I keep calling it Hilda Hilda also because Autumn plays a character uh, in D&D uh, named Hilda Hilda. So if I do that, that's why. So I apologize in advance. Hilda Hilda. Hilda Hilda. He's a scared bard who does nothing. <laughs> calling you out. All right. There are many different kinds of elves. And I don't mean just, you know, in the D&D sense, you know, like wood elves, high elves, drow, etc. I would classify those elves as fantasy elves. Then you got the cute little elves that work in Santa's toy shop or Christmas elves. And then you have the little invisible elves from Hilda, a new spin on the magical race. They're very small. <clears throat> They're very, very small. Hilda like a is foot small like, or smaller? Oh, like, like, like three size. inches. Oh, they okay. can fit behind like her Thumbelina. ear. Like They're so oh, okay. cute. Yeah, they're little. Uh, Hilda is a British-Canadian animated urban fantasy TV series based on a graphic novel series written and illustrated by Luke Pearson. That was a mouthful. So you ever feel like you can tell a Wikipedia sentence? Because all of my first sentences are always Wikipedia sentences, and it's always like, a riveting fantasy that takes place on... And then you, you do this to yourselves, man. I'm just saying. Call out. 
Uh, Nat T and Tails. The series follows <laughs> the adventures of fearless blue-haired Hilda, her mom, her pet deer fox, and of course, Elfer, the elf. Another blue-haired character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Blue hair. With, um, it's natural. <laughs> um, the graphic novels are set in the fantasy world resembling a late 20th century Scandinavia. And uh, the drawings are mainly from Scandinavian, or sorry, the inspiration is mainly from Scandinavian folklore and folk tales. And you probably said this. It's animated? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's it's also, just when you said drawings, I was like, I missed this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was listening. I missed it. <laughs> I've only read a couple of the graphic novels, but I would, I would highly recommend both. And it's not necessary for you to read the novels to watch the TV show. Are, is the TV show a direct telling of the stories in the graphic novels, or are they just, like, there's the a, same world? There's a little more in the TV series. Mm-hmm. As, it as, expands it. Oh, like, okay. I didn't know. Sometimes not, they do, like, this is the world. We're going to make other stories. So yeah. I, know I think it's, like, it is. It follows stories. Um, a but lot they, of the, like, base stuff is the same. Mm-hmm. So, like, this creature and how it lives. Well, and, that makes sense. And they yeah, also yeah, changed yeah. in, like, with animating a character, they, like, made the, the style of the character a little differently. Mm, like, okay. her face is more round in the comic versus, like... Probably just the way they had to animate it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe because they don't have the author of, or the artist from no, the comic he, doing... I think he show. helps uh, behind the scenes of the, mm. the show. I think he definitely is, like, a main contributor. He also, he animated an episode on Adventure uh, Time. Oh, sorry, I get excited. I tap the table. Um, the, <laughs> the elves and Hilda are tiny. They have pointed ears, like so many elves. Uh, elves. Elves do. Can, uh, <laughs> they have head and facial hair. While like humans, they can be shaped in many different sizes. Their limbs are very thin and stick-like. Their torsos are variety shapes and sizes, ranging from fat to skinny. Their basic design is depicted as being very simple and devoid of any detail, akin to a stick figure. The lack of detail is to better represent how small they are compared to humans and other creatures. And has nothing to do with how easy it is <laughs> to draw. They don't even have <laughs> hands. They um. They don't have hands. They, like, have... It's just a it's line. It's just like a line. They carry line. stuff, but there's, like, a whole thing about how yeah, they don't have hands. this picture. <laughs> They're super cute. They're Alfred. super cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... They wear a variety of clothing, through armor, uh, to, you know, just like a sash, to, uh, depending on where they come from, village to village, from hierarchy positions to another. Keep <laughs> <laughs> on the picture. They're so cute. They are cute. They're very cute. I'll post a picture of Alfer when I you post You should. This. I'll tweet it to Alfer you. Eldrick. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so that's, very the main, cute. that's the main character. He's, he he's very good. He has a very high, squeaky voice, and he's like, Hinda, we're going to go visit the town. <laughs> you should be good. Voice. Is it me? It's like, you could voice him. You could. <laughs> Uh, the very cool thing about the elves is that they're invisible. <laughs> but how are we seeing them? Yes, then? I. Oh, okay. I will explain. <laughs> I will explain. That's I'm an looking excellent at a question. question. Like I can see them, but I'm looking at them. Uh, elves live together in villages or towns that cannot be seen by any living creature until the proper paperwork is analyzed and signed. They are all about paperwork. Um, the entire uh, entirety of an elvish civilization is built upon the, u- the utilization of contracts and other paperwork. Are they uh, like Smurfs? I don't know anything about Smurfs, but that could be. It sounded like you said Smurfs. No, Smurfs—they're so tiny. They're tiny, and nobody can see them. Yeah, but they're blue. I'm yes, but they're similar. Are they elves? I haven't seen a Smurf compared to a human. Oh my god! Because I never watched. What is you Smurfs keep going? Okay. I'm gonna look this. But wait, up. is a Smurf an elf or is it a Smurf? A Smurf evil. Let's see. Um, no, a Smurf is a Smurf. That's right. So it's different than elves. <laughs> they don't have to fill out paperwork in order to be seen. They're so, blue humanoid creatures who live in mushroom-shaped houses in the forest. Oh, they sound like um, humanoids. And they like to play practical jokes. And oh, they sound like fae. 
Yes, I guess they're more like like fae. nature spirits. That's what they sound like. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I got so. Long story short, uh, <laughs> there's a big village of elves living around Hilda and her mom, who live in this cabin in the middle of nowhere in the woods. But they're not able to see these elves. So eventually, Hilda is able to fill out the paperwork to see them. And they're like, you need to leave because, you know, you're just, you know, walking around and, like, you, you know, you're stepping on us. And they're like, we can't see you. <laughs> so long story short, around. they do end up moving away. And Elfer ends up coming with them and they go to live in the, the town of Trollberg. Wait, Elfer's not an elf? No, he is. Oh, okay. But he, he travels with them. Like, oh, okay. he, he, like, literally, like, rides behind Hilda on her ear, he like, all the time. He a birdhouse in her room. Yeah. That's great. Um, I was like, this is kind of weird, though. And Emily was like, it's not weird. And I was like, all right. Sometimes don't look too closely. Um, I don't want an elf in a birdhouse to live in my room. A fun fact, uh, like Elfer means elf in Icelandic. So he's elf-elf? His mom didn't love him. He would just be Elf, Elfert. I mean, I guess in Iceland, they have a lot of names like Johan Johansson, so mm-hmm. I guess it'd be the Elf, Elf. There's a lot Human. of, like, Sarah, Sarah, Icelandic, uh, no, like, folklore uh, creatures and things. Erica Erickson. Erickson. No, you Emily have, Emerson. no, we're ladies. <laughs> we have, uh, Dotir is the end of our names, because mm-hmm. we're ladies. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. sons are for the men. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Mm. Erica, Eric, Dotir. Uh-huh. <laughs> Air Dotir. Air Dotir. There we go. Air I like this. I'm intrigued. I'm yeah, as, um, or read it. Hilda's great. Highly recommend. Uh, I would recommend it for anybody. We'll probably like, read it before. Yeah, I, watch it. I would definitely give out. Give it's the so quick too. Double. It's like, it's like oversized. Graphic. It's super cute. The style of the cartoon is so good. The he was cute is when good. I looked up the Elf mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a cutie. Yeah, but there's like a whole bunch of other things. There's like trolls and witches it's, and. Yeah. All sorts of things. So if you like, like, uh, I, I would say if you like Gravity Falls, you would like Hilda. Ooh, or if you just kind of like, like cultural fantasy. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's a lot like of European. Like, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, mm-hmm. Sarah, what so is like your job? choice? <laughs> so, um, for my first mythical race, I chose Selkies, which we did mention briefly because I play one um, in Emily's campaign. Selkies. Um, What's her name? Her name is Betty. <laughs> it is. Luring young men to their deaths. <laughs> Betty the Selkie. I mean, she's a high school student. It's fun. Um, <laughs> in Norsk and Celtic mythology, Selkies or Selkie folk are mythological beings capable of theranthropy. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I don't. It sounds like shifting, changing from seal to human form by shedding their skin. Mm -hmm. They are found in folk tales and mythology, originating from the Northern Isles of Scotland. I made a face because things that shed their skin are weird to me, but snakes, like snakes, like snakes and lizards, or weird people. Weird people, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wendigos. <laughs> oh dear. Now we got sirens in the background. My neighbors are making it very challenging for us. They're doing stuff to make our dogs bark. Like I'm gonna get them. It's no. okay. Good. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> the folk tales often feature female selkies being coerced into relationships with humans by someone stealing and hiding their seal skin. Uh, following the tale motif of Swan Maiden, which is similar. I looked it up. Swan Maiden is the same thing except they have, like, a coat of feathers instead of, like... Do they turn into a swan? I mean, not when their coat's not on. But, like, it's like a selkie they would turn into a swan. Yeah, and then some dude is like, oh, look, like, a swan coat. Probably a girl's taking a bath somewhere, and I can have a wife now. And she's like, no. And he's like, you have to. And she's guys like, who comes gross. up with these men, probably? Oh, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Some guy named Alan... <laughs> what did I write? Some guy named Alan Bruford said, Selkies should be treated as meaning any seal with or without the implication of transformation into human form. But W. Trail Dennison, farmer and folklorist, told him to chill and said that Selkie is the correct term to be applied to shifters to distinguish them from merfolk, though Icelandic writers refer to seal wives as merfolk. Gaelic stories don't tend to have a different specific word for Selkies and seldom differentiate them from mermaids. So oh. mermaids cannot shift, selkies can. Is that right. the main difference? Well, and selkies are selkies seals. are seals. Are yeah, they have a fish. coat. Like when their coat gets stolen, they're like. So, like, so are they supposed to look like are, are, are seals? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. well, they're in the, when they're in the water, <laughs> what kind of seals are there? They're like they're... Arctic seals, little puzzle, puffy ones. They're yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. They All bark right. too, though. She does. Yeah, Betty has a, a hood that she. So, do up. you bark when you're playing your D and D campaign I, as a selkie? I have not actually spent much time in seal form in that campaign. Is it because then you wouldn't have to bark? <laughs> no, I want to bark. I'm, I'm into the barking. I'm just... <laughs> she's, like, the responsible one. She's the, the student co- uh, council president, and she has to, like, mm. wrangle the other three students. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So... You did that to yourself. You made your own character. Sort of. There's an adjective. This is a campaign where everyone has an adjective in front of their name, but her adjective is not, like, super... Podcast friend. It's oh, Bitch okay. and Betty. It is Bitch and Betty. I think Bitch and Betty is a better it's selfie so name than Bitch and Betty. She's Bitch and Betty. There's Botanical Becky, which is That's Nick's, Nick's character. character. <laughs> Autumn's character is Likeable <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> I was like up here ready to play D and D, and now it's gone down. No, no, no. Campaign specific. It's all right. All right, here we go. And we're back. <laughs> a typical selkie folktale is a variation of a man who steals a female selkie uh, skin, finds her naked on the seashore, and compels her to become his wife. What a jerk. Yes. The wife will spend her time in captivity longing for the sea, which is her true home. She may give the human man several children, but once she finds her seal skin, she will immediately abandon her children and return to the sea. Bye. (laughs) Sometimes one of her children will discover the skin. (laughs) Sometimes you learn that she already had a selfie husband before. Mm. In the softer children's versions, the Selkie will come back once a year and visit her family on land. But real life, hard, cold lore, the Selkie is never seen again. Are the children part Selkie in these stories? We'll get there. Oh, okay. Another variant says the Selkie was never seen again as a human, but the kids would see a large seal approaching them and greeting them. Mm. Hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Male Selkies are generally supposed to be pretty attractive in human form and said to have great power of seduction over human women. Hmm. They seek out those who are dissatisfied with their lives, such as married (laughs) women waiting for their fishermen husbands. (laughs) In one tale about a woman, it was rumored that when she wished to make contact with her Mount Selkie, she would shed seven tears into the sea. How did he know then? Like, the sea is salty, and so are tears. It doesn't matter. Seven. They're very, it's seven's a magical number. It's true. It's true. Children born between human and Selkie sea folk have webbed hands, such as the children of the woman described above, the seven tears in the so sea. So how would they not know? Like, Mom, why do we have these hands? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at them. <laughs> don't look. Just, just go with it. It's fine. Her, her kids allegedly had webbing. This is gross. This is gross. This is a warning. Thanks. Her kids allegedly had the webbing between their fingers and toes and had to have the webbing clipped away intermittently. And I said, why not just become an Olympic swimmer? Yeah. The I rules of so. transformation vary from place to place. Where did my notes go? Uh-huh. Some say Selkie could turn at will. Some say the conditions of the tide had to be just so. Oral storytelling had differing ideas about the amount of time between transformations. The number seven arises often, as you said. As in the seventh stream, or every seven years, um, one version states Selkies can only assume human form every seven years, 
because they are bodies that house condemned souls or fallen angels. Mm-hmm. Hmm. In the Scottish Isles, people would only kill seals during hard times because they believed killing one would result in misfortune. Hmm. And then, specifically, uh, Song of the Sea, <clears throat> which is a movie, 2014 animated fantasy film directed and co-produced by Tom Moore. It was an international co-production from Ireland, Belgium, Denmark, France, and Luxembourg. Wow. Song of the Sea is a story of a 10-year-old Irish boy named Ben who discovered that his mute sister, Saoirse, whom he blames for the apparent death of his mother, is actually a selkie who has to free, uh, help free fairy creatures from the Celtic goddess Macha. The plot of the movie differs a little from actual lore, as the mother and daughter are both selkies, though I suppose Saoirse's dad could uh, be someone else, and also a selkie. Who knows? It's a great movie, though. Very pretty very to Hand-drawn and a very interesting story. Really good music. That one sounds fun. Yeah, cool. it is. We watched it just a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very good. Mm-hmm. The, the style of that movie is great. It looks like you're... Reading, like watching a children's book, an illustrated book, like come to life. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And the lore is so cool. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not exactly accurate to like what my research showed, which is that, you know, it really sucks if a selkie is on land. But the mom didn't seem that. <laughs> she seemed okay. She didn't seem like she'd been forced into a marriage mm. necessarily. She was sad because she had to go, but she, she was had sad. to go. Mm-hmm. The girl said the whole time. She's like, I just want to go to the sea. <laughs> I just want to go swimming. It's Goodness. really, yeah, it's a really good movie. So definitely cool. should check that out. I think it's on Netflix still right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But selkies are cool. I did <laughs> not know that much about selkies. Me neither. I just knew they were in the ocean. <laughs> uh-huh. And they went, or, or. That's or, right. Or, 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 or. or. Sorry. <laughs> it was like, You're do you bark? Yes. <laughs> no, but you shall now. I'm going to. You will now. When Betty gets mad, she's going to be like, turn around. Or, 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 or. <laughs> so we had a bunch of recommendations. People are very passionate about their magical races that they picked. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't even One look. was um, Larry Dotter. Uh, <laughs> somewhat, we had uh, Casey. Larry Dotter. Larry yeah. Dotter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey picked Vilas, which were... The like oh, yeah. ladylike things that can like hypnotize men. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. A different Casey picked centaurs, which are centaurs are cool. Centaurs are things. great, and um, the, the centaur character from that thing that we're not mentioning is also right. really great. Yeah. Yes, yes, I like really. Intense. And a lot of the creatures and races are based on mythology, kind of like Tolkien did. Mm-hmm. So, um, other books, uh, <laughs> dark materials. I'm not a fan of the book, but I know a lot of people are. Are you sure you're not? I know. Uh, <laughs> my friend, my to friend Sky mentioned the witches, which I I don't know. Is that a race or is that just a, like a, an, an occupation or yeah, an ability? A talent. Um, maybe you would have like some innate magic if you yeah. were born. To maybe you had witch, green skin. Like the witches in, or the <laughs> the wizards in Lord of the Rings are a race of. Um, but there's only five of them. Well, there were more. I think. So, like, is a wizard. So, like, Gandalf and Saruman are different than humans. Are they warlocks? The They're, They're wizards. wizards yes. yeah, yeah. But not always. <laughs> shame, shame. I don't know. Um, also, but the angels and specters mentioned by Jen and Dark Materials, I think that would be a magical race. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other books. Uh, our friend Josh really liked the Ents from Lord of the Rings that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, we also got a mention of the old ones from Dark is Rising, which I've never heard of, but it's a book, and I'm now intrigued because it has a fun title. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a book 
of course, there's a fun title from Terry Pratchett called The Wee Free Men <laughs> that uh, Jackie re- recommended Nack McFeagle as a character from that book. Hmm. Um, Terry Pratchett's writing is just golden. It really is. The Magicians, which I know you've read, right? Very good. Uh-huh. Um, the it's Niffins, broody, though. The <laughs> Niffins from uh-huh. The Magicians. Uh-huh. What are they? I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually have it in my Libby, though, because I want to reread it. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then my friend Laura commented on the King Killer Chronicles, which is a mouthful, but also uh, the Fae from that. Fae are cool. King Killer Chronicles. Oh, I thought you said Killer like Donut. Uh, Zach also <laughs> likes that he likes that book too. Uh-huh. Um, um, those books. There is a place in D and D called the Fey Wilds where all the Fey hang out. Are they all the up to their tricksy self? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna let stuff. you read this one because I don't know how to pronounce some of their things. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, we have Doctor Who, um, which is. I'm so proud of you for being able to read cursive. <laughs> I'm not. It's not <laughs> in cursive. <laughs> uh, Time Lords by Casey. Uh, a different Casey. We had three of them. Uh, Time Lords are really cool. They are Gallifreyan. They're from the planet Gallifrey. Uh, they have two hearts and they can regenerate. Also cool. Yes. Um, super cool. They're, uh, as I said before, in Doctor Who, um, you know, each number represents a different person, different doctor, different actor who plays a doctor. There's the Savine. <laughs> That's the word I didn't know how to say. <laughs> You're like, breathe. I'm like, please read this. Savine. <laughs> They're um, in the first season with, uh, what's his name? Eccleston. And they are like these big creatures that like kind of have yellowy green skin and these big old eyes and they fart. <laughs> they do <laughs> well, fart. Janie, thank you for that one. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, uh, Weeping Angels. Weeping Angels. Just Ooh, so good. Talked about Such them before. A, yeah, I didn't mention they're just that. they're fantastic. Um but also the ood, the silence. Mm-hmm. We can go on and on. What about the cat bus from uh so are they My alien, are some them. of them are some of them creatures or are some of them aliens? I think, like, I think that we, was a bus. We did get uh, Claire recommended Ewoks and I was like, oh, are Ewoks just an alien species or are they a magical race? Do they have magic? Mm. I don't know. I, I think, think they that, just have I, they're yeah. just cute teddy bears that yeah. fight the that doesn't I mean think Jedi's could be considered a magical race. No, I don't uh, think so. No, they're trained. That is a class. But they start with magic. Like, they have a ma- magic at the end of movie they two. The, yeah, it depends on your interpretation of the most recent films mm-hmm. of whether the Force mm-hmm. can be held by anyone or, you know. Um, lastly, so if we can finish our... We're our going tales. to start with... <laughs> yeah, we have... Um, for movies, we have Chris recommended Dark Crystal... Which I, I should never, see. I've never seen it. it. Nope. Um, Naomi recommended The Goblin King from Labyrinth. Sure. Which yes. again, I should there see. Spooky. Labyrinth is great. I'm such... Isn't that... There's a David Bowie. That one, no, that oh, is Pan's, oh, Pan's Labyrinth every oh, time. Every time. David Bowie's in Labyrinth, yes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he does the juggle and thing with I balls. haven't seen it, you know, I'm a massive David Bowie fan. Oh my god, so you would love it. He sings so much. I, it's just one of those things I've just never Hurry, seen. Sarah. I, yeah. You only have so much time. And then we also had, um, from Marvel, uh, Jossie recommended the Valkyrie, which I think that does count, because mm-hmm. they're magical. Yes. And, you know, they're yeah, mm-hmm. lady awesome. Yep. And then, <laughs> lady but then uh, we also had Inhumans, which I don't know because they're imbued with Cree DNA. Is that I think that's aliens. What about mutants? Again, from X Men. Right, not, still not a race though. That's something that you have. Not well, that's that a genetic. Have. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. So Inhumans mm-hmm. and mutants kind of treading the line there. Mm-hmm. Um, skirting, skirting, skirting the line. <laughs> well, so to move on though, and we'll do a little bit shorter on these last ones, just yeah. so oh, that yeah, we can shorter. Get a little this bit. Is the shorter one. Do you want me? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <Can> I start? <laughs> 
I'll start. Yeah, we'll, we yeah, can we'll go in the same order. Okay. Um, so my other one, I picked Monstrous, which is a graphic novel. So good. It's so good. It's so good, guys. It's read it. It's so weird, but I it's great. It. Um, so basically, steampunk meets kaiju in this original <laughs> fantasy epic for mature readers mm-hmm. as young Maika risks everything to control her psychic link with a monster of tremendous power, placing her in the center of a devastating ro- war between human and otherworldly forces. Mm-hmm. It is a graphic novel written by Marjorie Liu and drawn by Sana Takeda. It is the winner of five Eisner Awards. If you're not familiar with those, those are for graphic novels specifically, and Ooh. four Hugo Awards. So, Yo, nice. yeah, it I... cleans up. The artwork is amazing. Like, I so agree. I'm borrowing this. Yes. Yeah, so, I have a second one. So I'm not, I, I like graphic novels even if the artwork isn't great. However, usually if the oh, artwork no. if the artwork is amazing but it has a terrible storyline, sometimes I'm like, ah, it's not worth it. This one has great of both. It's so good. It is fantastic. It also sometimes it doesn't come out as often as other mm-hmm. um, issues of graphic novels because it takes so long. The artwork is described as part manga, part art deco, and part steampunk, which nice. I think is a good way of describing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are almost no men or white characters in the story. Woo. True. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> and there are a couple of different species. The main one is Arcanics, which are magical creatures who can sometimes pass as human, mm-hmm. although many of them have visible markings or abnormalities, and some are mixed with animal characteristics. Like the little fox. Like the little fox. Oh, they're so cute. So the main girl, Maika, looks human and can go undercover that way. Um, she has one... Um, abnormality where she has what looks like a tattoo of like an eye, but it's just something she's born with. Um, she also is missing one of her arms, but mm-hmm. that's from a battle. Mm-hmm. But um, that is where the demon comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're like, wait, what? <laughs> that is what I said. Um, there's a monster that lives inside of her that she is trying to control and doesn't really know why it's there. I mean, need to, though. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically like a tentacle-type kraken, like, giant god thing that, like, when she's in danger is like wait I don't want to lose my host and it'll come out and it'll like kill and eat things nice. and she's always like she'll wake up and be like whoa what what happened what did I do <laughs> so all my cows are dead I know right like one time she goes and she eats like a whole bunch of sheep and they're just like what the heck <laughs> um so she is working on that mm-hmm. she gets better at like she's going to therapy she's she's getting better at controlling it as the series goes on mm-hmm. uh Emily mentioned Kippa who is part fox so a lot of times they're like the talking animals are mixed with these things. So there's like tigers and wolves and things. And uh, the main character is kind of um, half wolf is her last name. So mm. she's got a lot of different characteristics. And so like they'll have whiskers, like the women will have like whiskers because yeah. they're like sort of furry and stuff. Um, and you, if you've never seen this, you're probably like, what on earth is she talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I love is the necromancers, which are highly intelligent cats. They're often poets, magicians, and historians. Those are just cats. No. No. <laughs> Each issue ends with a history lesson from the Nikos to mm-hmm. help with the world building. And many of them have multiple tales. Mm-hmm. I say many of them. Sometimes things happen. But mm-hmm. um, the more powerful and older they are, uh, the more tales they have. So, like, the... like most respected cat in history is Nine Tails, which is, like, alluding to the... Nine tails. The Pokemon? No, just kidding. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> to their nine lives. Um, they're great, though, and they're very um, 
like regular cats. They're kind of sneaky and they're always lazy. You're, you're always like wondering what they're up to. They are a little bit lazy, like, oh, I don't want to go on this quest. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, so. And then the other um, race that's in there are the Monstrum, which I talked about, which are the godlike creatures that used to rule the world and they look like Lovecraftian tentacle monsters. Mm-hmm. And Zin is the monster that lives inside Maika. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an eyeball. Yeah, she doesn't like that. She doesn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, uh, it's my description is crazy because the book is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the first graphic novels that I like really got into, and it's like this looks cool. I have no idea what it is, and I'm like, this is bonkers. <laughs> and then it's it's really really cool. You don't always know what's happening, but I would just say dive in. Yeah, on that one, and and if you're just like I'm so confused, I'm not sure. Like just keep going, mm-hmm. um, because it does get explained at least to a point, and, like, legit, like, every frame of the art that could be, like, hung up as, like, a painting. Literally every page. Mm -hmm. Like, Takeda is so amazing at the artwork, and it's awesome. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, Uh, there's a lot of content warnings for that one as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it starts out, like, they're being kept as slaves, Mm because the humans are, like keeping the magical beings and, like, doing experiments on them kind of was, like, alluding mm-hmm. to, like, the Nazi experiments of, mm-hmm. like, different people. So, um, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Say, uh, you're a talking lot. about the cats, like, giving you, like, a lesson at the end. I remember them going through all the different creatures, and, like, that's one of the first ones in the, the first graphic novel. And it was just, like, really helpful because it kind of explains. So, like, what you were doing. Yeah, like, and it's just kind of, like, the, the story ends, and then you turn the page, and then it's there's, like, like a, a cat, cat with a like, glasses or something. A cat is, like, from, like, the the supreme cat poet uh, is going to talk to you about this. Like, and then it's like a giant you do it, like, on a chalkboard or a map or, like, the one I just read was, like, a, a photo. And you see little sil- silhouettes of, like, kittens looking at it, being like, okay, kids, this is what we're going about today. <laughs> very so cute. It's great. Yeah, it's um, good. It's there. Yeah, it's great. It's it's very cool. Who would you suggest this to? Me. Who? Um, like yeah. yeah. I would suggest this to people that are just looking for something totally unique. Mm-hmm. That um, you don't even have to be a graphic novel person, but just um, wanting a totally different story and a different format than when you're used to. Because like, even if if you like like Batman or X Men comics, this is not like that at all there's mm-hmm. no like pow and bam and like, i'm not saying i don't read those too but like it's <laughs> it, it's really it's you're reading a novel uh, you're reading illustrated novel is mm-hmm. what you're doing yeah that's something that i would definitely notice too is that there's a lot of words along with the art like they try yeah. to get a lot of story it's kind across. of game of thrones-esque too with how mm-hmm. many characters there are and like different like um, areas that they go to and you're like trying I'll be like wait who is this person and like sometimes I have to look back and, mm-hmm. and do that um, I bought them as the volumes versus the single issues because I like to just like have it open with all the art- artwork there mm-hmm. but it's it's a, still it's an ongoing series they did just do a one shot with Kippa the Fox and it, really? it had like an embossed cover on it it was very cool I have it so she's such a great character. I haven't finished the book to get to that part yet mm-hmm. so I don't want to like, so it is still current though yeah it still happens there's five volumes out and it's still going good job yeah that was a good one thank you thank you (laughs) me i chose for my second tale the lion the witch and the wardrobe what and i am picking mr tumnus the fawn specifically to talk about one just one creature um he's pretty great he's he is so so great. great i'm gonna read a little expert excerpt 
from the little expert. Expert. Ex- expert. I'm an expert, though. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a fantasy novel written by C.S. Lewis, published in 1950. Fun fact, it came out before Lord of the Rings. Gotta stop hitting the table. Yep. Um... <laughs> But Lord of the Rings was more developed, more like like we know, as you said before, we know more about our fantasy worlds because of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but that's interesting that it came out earlier. For some yeah. reason, I was thinking they were contemporaries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the first novel <laughs> uh, in seven uh, seven books in the Chronicle of Narnia's book series. Do you say Narnia or Narnia? Narnia. Narnia. I say Narnia, too. My dad, when he was reading us the books, he would say Narnia. No, I mean, the movie's called it Narnia, so I'm going to go with that. He's wrong. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, the book follows four siblings, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, who are evacuated to the countryside during the London Blitz. Um, what should seem like a normal house actually houses a portal to a magical world of Narnia. Narnia. <laughs> no! Uh. Yes! Gives me life. Um, which Lucy discovers while exploring the massive estate. Uh, this is a book series that my dad would read to us when we were kids before bed. I have, like, various random ones of those also on my shelf next to the Lord of the Rings. Have you read all of them? I have not. I was just going to say my favorites are Silverchair, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and, of course, this one. That's what people always say is those. Mm -hmm. I've not read past the first one. Silverchair is, like, so good, but Voyage of the Dawn Treader is so good. If you have any interest, I haven't Prince Caspian. I've seen that. No. That's it. That's it, though. No. Lucy and Prince Caspian kissed, and I was like, I'm writing this movie off now because there's no romance in the book between those two characters. Oh, no. They added something new. Disney, how dare you? Anyways, on to the main event, the fun. Mr. Tumnus is the first magical creature that Lucy meets when she enters the magical world through the wardrobe. The book has been out since 1950. Go read it. <laughs> the book of um, She had just waded through several large fur coats and finds herself standing in a snowy forest at night. But she was just in the daytime, you know, back on the countryside. Um, magic. Magic. Oh, we should at talk night. about portals. We should do a portal episode. Anyways. Um... She follows the light to a lamppost and startles Mr. <laughs> Tumnus, who drops all of his brown paper packages. Tied up the string. The fawn has never seen a human girl before, and of course Lucy has never seen a fawn before, so they're both both quite surprised. Both. But the two of them strike up a, an immediate friendship, and Mr. Tumnus, being the ever-gracious host, invites Lucy to have tea with him in his cave, which she, of course, does. She does not know about Stranger Danger, wasn't it? Yeah, I was thinking, because I did go back and read this chapter, and I was like, hmm, that would not be cool to do that. Well, like, back in the before times, like, way before times, like... In 1950? Just, like, children and adults, children were just expected to listen to and obey. Like, oh, your neighbor's like, come over, I have cookies. And and you would just just do it. But also... I mean, it does kind of happen, though, because when her brother goes, then he meets the witch. Yes. So he did not have stranger danger, and look how Edmund did it. So Edmund? teach your children. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, because Lucy yeah. goes back. We're going to yeah. get out of ourselves, but Lucy right, goes but back so and brings Edmund in. There is a, a lesson there. Like, mm-hmm. not yeah. all not of these adults not and creatures are good. Mm-hmm. Tilda um, Swinton's going to come and give you... Um, Women. Uh, the, no, the desserts. <laughs> the desserts. Does it right? No, she gives them <laughs> desserts. Yeah, Turkish, Turkish delight. delight. Yeah, he which like is not it. that good. I don't. Yeah, we ain't gotta be British to appreciate it. I guess. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Fonts are <laughs> mythological, half-human, half-goat creatures appearing in Roman mythology. Finds. Uh, finds. Fawns are bipedal creatures with legs and tails of goat, head and torso arms of a man, and are often depicted with goat horns and pointed ears. Much is the description of Mr. Tumnus from the book. 
Much of this novel is set in the land of Narnia, where talking animals and mythical creatures exist, including one powerful lion named Aslan right. and one mean old witch. But we aren't talking about them. Okay. <laughs> we can make okay. Turkish delight just woof out of the um, air. Right. You're willing to betray enjoy your family. dancing happily around bonfires with satyrs. Satyrs are another goat-like creature. Hey, Emily, tell me a fun fact <laughs> I, about satyrs. I figured out the best way to say this. Uh, so mostly, uh, so satyrs come from Greek mythology. Fawns come from Roman mythology. And I decided to not go with satyrs because satyrs are usually depicted with an erection. And all of their, uh, like, old-time depiction, like, on They're faces ready and to stuff. Go. They, like, Locked chase after it. women and fawn like to dance. Fawns like to dance and have, like, I'm tea. glad you picked the fawn. <laughs> yeah. I was going to Either way, you still had to hear the I fact. did. <laughs> this, this episode has been less children friendly. <laughs> um, but they like to dance around fires with the satyrs, with dryads, and naiads at night. They like to play their music. Um, they have a long lifespan, uh, and it's never actually uh, specified how long they can live in the books or in real life. They live for a very long time. Heckin. Mr. Tumnus is an excellent musician and plays a tune for Lucy, which causes her to fall asleep. Stranger Days. His music is, re- is boring. <laughs> She's like, God, I want to go on TikTok. <laughs> Good. It's revealed that Mr. Tumnus is, in fact... Trying to kidnap Lucy in service of the evil queen. This is all revealed in chapter two. Like, again, Spoilers! it's been out forever. Um, uh, but he cannot go through with it because he has a heart. And he really likes Lucy and she doesn't. he doesn't want anything and bad to happen. And he's a young happen. James McAvoy. And yes, and so that was my... Listen, that was my James fun. McAvoy. <laughs> Mr. Thomas is played by James McAvoy in the newest movie. He's and, pretty. He's a pretty... Apparently, Netflix is supposedly, according to the lore, making a TV series and movies to be released in the next couple of years at some point. Again. They're going to have a TV series of that and Lord of the Rings coming out. Not Netflix, Amazon, but still. Amazon. Have you ever been tired? <laughs> I don't, I'm not even involved. Actually, I think the Lord of the Rings series is like they're doing a diverse cast and not casting based on like Tolkien's description. Oh, that's cool. Which is cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Maybe they'll that. do that for Narnia as well. Maybe. I... They're very lily white, all of them. Both of those. Yeah. 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 That's true. We're learning as a society. Yeah, so we're trying. Maybe, maybe there will be a, a black Mr. Tumnus. Or, that would be cool. You know, or, well, I'm going to say a black lion, but that would be... That the same. Black the same. Oh, God. Instead of the Aslan's... No, stop. Oh, God, forever. <laughs> Narnia forever. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, so I... No. All right, no, you're so good, yeah. honorable mentions today before Sarah does hers. I'm sorry, were you? No, no, <laughs> no it's good. You I'm going to read a thing, but it's fine. It, it was just more funny when I read it. So it's if good. It's funny, share it. Yeah. Oh, it's just uh, when Lucy finds out that Mr. Tempest was going to, like, kidnap her and give her to the witch, she's like, oh, that's pretty bad. Different book report, and Emily was like, Lucy just goes, huh. That's pretty bad. <laughs> it's like, she says it's very slowly. Mr. Tumnus is like, whoa, like, he's like, whoa, I'm so bad. I'm he's like weeping. She's, She's like, like, what's no, wrong? You never... must stop crying. You gave me tea. How could you be bad? Oh, I C- guess that tea. is kind of bad. Um, um, my honorable mention for uh, magical creatures, mythological, is uh, the generation of Steven Universe, which is a race of aliens that live on a, that, that come from another planet and they come to earth and they're saving that steven universe like, for, I know, for something it's gonna be favorite favorite aliens i guess because they're technically aliens but they're great my do you have another honorable no you're mention? good we can okay. we can bop back and forth okay 
Um, I'm surprised none of us picked this because we all either are currently reading or have read the book and loved oh, it. Is yeah. House in the Cerulean Sea. So good. There's so many magical races in there. There's mm-hmm. shifters and um, Lucifer. And there's a gnome. <laughs> she's awesome. And oh, fairies she's so and oh, yeah, all kinds of um, that book is so and good. Other ones that are spoilers. I'm about halfway through it. Oh my gosh. I got it. Um, by TJ Clune. House in the Cerulean Sea is good. It's very good. Um, I also picked Dr. Greta Helsing, which is a silly little book I started reading that has a couple of them out. She's a human doctor, but she only treats non-humans. So, like, all these, like, paranormal creatures go to her and, like, Mm -hmm. things like that. So she treats, like, vampires and demons (laughs) and, like, ogres and things. And they'll come in and be like, I need medicine for my arthritis. And she's, like, figured out how to treat, like, ogre arthritis in their knees because they're carrying, like, a heavy load. Or, like... Things that live on, like, trolls that live under bridges and stuff. And there's, like, mysteries and, yes. Yeah. So, it's it's cute. Mm-hmm. What were you saying? Wait, had... Nothing. <laughs> this is making oh. weird eyes at you. <laughs> My other ones were The Tiger and the Wolf, which is a series by Adrian Tchaikovsky, um, who wrote Children of... What is it? Ruin? No. Children of Time. There we go. I was like, Both of them. Children of Time. Time. He did yeah. write Children of Ruin. That's the sequel. But um, there are shifters. All the, the entire book, all the all the people are shifters. So mm-hmm. they just come from different clans. So there's like the wolf clan and the tiger clan and the bear clan and all those things. And then my last but not least honorable mention is Skyrim, which I've mm. played so much of. Um, when I broke my leg, I played so many hours. And you can play as all the races. It's very similar to D&D with, like, the races and the NPC characters and, like, the quests. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, like, a more detailed, like, not detailed, but a directed D&D mm-hmm. without a dungeon master. So, Would Animal Crossing count? We need, like, a different podcast for talking animals, I think. Yes, we should definitely We should definitely animals. talk animals. Animaniac. Yes. <laughs> What is it? No, it's Animorphs was the one I was going to say. Animorphs. And then I switched to Animaniacs. Good. Yeah. We should talk about Animaniacs at some point and the author who put all of his books up for free online because he just wanted people to have access to them. There you go. My well, honorable so mentions are yeah. Angels and Demons from Good Omens, obviously. Yep. Um, I knew you were going to pick that, so I didn't pick it. Vampires from What We Do in the Shadows mm-hmm. or from anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and last but not least, I picked uh, their entails, but I didn't pick a specific tale for them. I'm going to be talking about nymphs, specifically dryads. Uh, All right, here we go. In ancient Greek folklore, a nymph is a minor female nature deity or spirit. They are personifications of nature, typically tied to a specific place or landform, and usually depicted as a beautiful maiden. Um, some examples are Eurydice and Ariel from the Tempest. They're both they are both nymphs. Eurydice is a nymph. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I thought she was a human. Mm-hmm. She's actually a dryad. Well, in the in the Hades game, she's a dryad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, yeah, I think she's a nymph. Um, nymphs are not immortal, but do live longer than humans. They hang in specific areas related to natural environments, and there's a bunch of names that I didn't write down because there's so so many. But, like, mountain regions, forests, springs, blah, blah, blah. Other nymphs were part of, um, like, the, I mistyped it, like the, what do you call it, entourage of the gods. So, like, <laughs> Dionysus would have some Hermes, Pan, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Or of a goddess, like lots. Artemis. But Pan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nymphs often feature in many classic works of art, literature, mythology, and fiction. Since medieval times, nymphs are sometimes popularly associated or even confused with fairies. Mm. 
Often nymphs tend to frequent areas distant from humans, but could be encountered by lone travelers outside the village where their music might be heard, and the travelers could spy on their dancing or bathing in a stream or pool, either during the noon heat or in the middle of the night. They might appear in a whirlwind. Such encounters could be dangerous, bringing dumbness, besotted infatuation, madness, or stroke to the unfortunate human. <laughs> so kind of like the opposite of a selkie, where they're like, oh, you're going to watch me bathe? Go die. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of types of nymphs with different names based on where they chill, and there's no single adopted classification that could be seen as canonical or exhaustive. I will briefly mention di- uh, dryads because they are cool. A type of tree nymph, specifically dries, means oak, so oak nymph. However, the term has come to mean all tree nymphs, basically. They're notorious tree nymphs. Nymph. Can, can I interject? Yes. So one time, I don't remember whose campaign it was, but we all like had gone through some like traumatic battle, and so we all had oh. different <laughs> dryads, like counselors that like put us in little tree hammocks of their hands, and we were just there sitting in them. I don't remember whose campaign it was, though. I think, I think it Tom was Tom. summons them, so I don't know who. Oh, I have no idea. See, this is like what you could do. You could do anything. In I don't know. It's going down again. <laughs> <laughs> They're notoriously shy, except around the goddess Artemis. They generally are tied to their trees, but some are able to leave. If their tree dies, they die, but some are said to haunt those who cause their demise. They have power of shape shifting, human to tree, he, tree to human, blah, blah, blah. So are Fern Gully, are they, are they nymphs? No, they're fairies. They're, they're fairies. Hi. Are they fairies? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Dryads are protected by the gods who will punish any mortal being who brings hard times to their trees without paying, or who takes, who cuts down their tree. <laughs> takes up <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Hard times. Hard times. It says, this is what it directly says, who will punish any mortal who brings hard to their trees without paying respect to the dryad first. So if you're going to cut down a tree, make sure, go ahead and pay some respects to the dryad so you don't get... God punishment. And make sure there's no nymphs in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dryads appear in Chronicles of Narnia, the uh, mm-hmm. Magician series, and of Green Gables, according to Wikipedia. Of course. Um, and in addition to many stories of Greek folklore. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I like talking about dryads, and I think they're really cool, is the suspicion of knocking on wood or touching wood um, is a apotropaotic, apotropic tradition meaning touching, tapping, or knocking on wood in order to avoid tempting fate after making a favorable prediction or boast or declaration concerning one one's own death or another unfavorable situation. So, I'm going to win the lottery. Knock. So you're Is that invoking... three? It's two. Have I, I, I'll tell you. I have notes. I have notes. The origin of this custom comes from Celtic or German folklore, wherein supernatural beings thought to live in trees can be invoked for protections. That is, dryads, spirits, fae, or other mysterious creatures. Come back, notes. Sorry, I'm going quick, I'm going quick. People might knock on or touch wood to request good luck or distract spirits with evil intentions. When in need of a favor or some good luck, one might politely mention this wish to a tree, then touch the bark. The second touch, or second knock, would be to say thank you. The knocking was also supposed to prevent evil spirits from hearing your speech, and as such, stop them from interfering. Hmm. But there's other versions of that besides knocking on wood, like crossing your fingers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not a nymph thing. I no. Apotro- 
Apotro Apotropaic. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Stop. <laughs> it just means like Corolla. the different things that people do in order to like keep the blend evil eye and blend. Let's Super bring them all back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Must use the word we can say. Super no, suspicious. it's more fun to write the phonetic spelling and take ten minutes. Um, I think the best thing about magical races and mythical creatures is that they're not like. We don't have physical evidence that they exist here. So I think that's really fun. We don't not have what? physical evidence yeah. that they exist here. There could be a Loch Ness monster. She's oh, and Bigfoot. She's just, like, very... She's sleepy and she's hanging out in the back. Doesn't and want COVID. And, like, yeah. unicorns. Hey, I thought narwhals were uh, fake. fake for the longest time. There we go. Because what the, how, What a ridiculous creature. I mean, there's no way that can be real. I mean, there's no way. It's like they stuck a unicorn horn on I don't know how to tell you this, but everyone see. else on this earth besides you met up and we were like, we're going to make them think they're real. <laughs> we had this huge We meeting. had a contact. The contract we had to sign. Oh, my contact. goodness. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, don't tell Erica Moser <laughs> specifically. Somebody Photoshop it. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for our races today. They're making fun of me. Never. If, uh, you have any ideas that we left out, you can tweet at us at TNTales1 or find us on Instagram. We still don't have a Facebook yet, but that's okay. They may have one by the time are. this episode comes to That's true. That's true. I, like, broke my earring while I said that. Anyways. No. Um, I hope you have a lovely day. I hope you have a lovely night. I hope you have a lovely morning. Oh my gosh, let's pretend we're not crazy. Let's pretend. Let's pretend we're not crazy. Bye! I'm not going to touch this. I'm scared. (laughs)